live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Why don't we start with Aaron Rodgers, because that is the big thing in the NFL right now, right? Everybody waiting on Aaron. So it's been about a week since Aaron emerged from the darkness. However, I'm sure to the Packer front office, Packer fan, Jet front office, Jet fan, and whoever else is trying to base their offseason, Derek Carr, whoever else is waiting on Aaron or waiting on that first domino, I'm sure that last week has felt like an absolute eternity. Because, of course, he has emerged from the darkness, but we're still not exactly sure what he wants to do or what he's going to do. That circle of trust that he has is probably very, very small. I have no idea. However, we did get our first public comments from Aaron since he came out of that 300-square-foot, partially underground, completely dark room with that queen bed and a meditation mat and those two squares a day. And while we might not have a decision, we did get an in-depth review of the darkness experience. Now, we don't have, or I haven't listened to, the entire podcast in its entirety. So full transparency there. I have not listened to the entire Aubrey Marcus podcast, but it did drop this morning. It was released, and here is part of what Aaron had to say in that interview. It's best for anybody who has an interest in this to make a decision sooner rather than later. You know, I remember, you know, when Favre, uh, before he retired, you know, there were times where it was in April and May, and he still... You know, we weren't sure if he was going to come back because he didn't come to any off-season program. And, and then in 2008, he actually did retire in March. You know, I spent parts of uh, a couple of days imagining what it would be like to uh, retire and then imagining what it would be like to continue to play. Instead of trying so hard to be, I'm not just a football player, what if I just embraced I am a football player? Mm. And look at how f- beautiful it's impacted my life. And there's probably people that think I'm done. I thought I was done, you know, before I became COVID MVP twice. <laughs> so again, there'd be plenty of inspiration down that road, but I'm not looking for somebody to tell me what the answer is. Uh, all the answers are right inside me. And I, I touched uh, many of them and definitely the feelings uh, on both sides during the darkness. And I'm thankful for that time. So what to make of all that? I'm not sure. Now, part of me would tell you that does not sound like a dude who is ready to hang him up. That does not sound like Aaron emerged from the darkness wanting to move on from football. If anything, it almost sounds like he's all about it still. But he did say there were times when I was in there where I thought about what would life be like if I no longer played. And then there were parts of that time that I spent in the darkness where I thought about, yeah, it's beautiful to play football. And then when he talks about being the COVID MVP, you can tell that the two-time COVID MVP, that chip is still on his shoulder. If anybody was still wondering about that, I think that he still has that chip on his shoulder. So listen, I understand that everybody's been waiting and everybody was hoping that he would emerge from the darkness and then give everybody his answer and make that decision. I get that. Now, I also get the Packers have an organization and a business and a team to run. I get that. 
Just as Aaron has to do what's best for Aaron, the Packers have to do what's best for the Packers. Namely, they need to determine if they want to go all in and run it back one last time with Aaron or move on from Aaron because maybe they're sick of the whole thing and they want to see what they have in Jordan Love. And then on top of that, they're not the only ones waiting on Aaron. There's at least one other team that truly believes it's a quarterback away from being a legitimate contender. Looking at you, New York Jets. And while they're talking to Derek Carr, you know, depending on the trade compensation, they would rather have Aaron Rodgers than Carr. So the Jets also are stuck in a holding pattern. So, who's right? Who's wrong? Who is jamming whom? Who is handling it the right way? Who is handling it the wrong way? And is Aaron going the old gunslinger on everybody's ass and holding them hostage the way Brett Favre used to back in the day before Favre started to sling unwanted dong picks via text and misappropriating and misdirecting funds from people who really needed them to folks who really did not? Allegedly. Don't sue me. As for Aaron, he's aware of all this. Don't tase me, bro. Don't sue me, bro. Aaron knows. Aaron knows what's going on. And here's where I come out. To me, because of who he is, because of what he's accomplished, because he does still have something left in the tank, and because of how big of a decision this is, the guy does deserve some time. He's doing everything he can to make the right call and determine whether or not he's all in or not. And then if he is still all in where he wants to play, in Green Bay or someplace else. My point is, I've got no problem with this. I have no issue with this. I have no issue with this as long as he does not drag it out. As long as he does not turn into the old gunslinger. Now, I know some of you are like, but that's what's happening. He is dragging it out. He's not. Not yet. Not yet. And I say that because Rodgers knows what it's like. He's been on the other side. He lived that life with the gunslinger when the gunslinger did drag it out. He knows how hard that is on everybody. And as he told Aubrey Marcus on that pod, that is the last thing he wants to do. You know, I remember, you know, when Favre, before he retired, you know, there were times where he, it was in April and May and he still, you know, we weren't sure if he was going to come back because he didn't come to any offseason program. And, and then in 2008, he actually did retire in March and then kind of said, no, 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 actually in June after OTAs, I actually want to come back and play. And then that's when, you know, I've been traded to the Jets and, you know, there was obviously a lot of tension that summer, but for everybody involved directly and indirectly, it's best for a decision earlier. And I feel, I feel really good about, about the conversations that, um, that are going to be had that have been had with uh, important people in my life, yourself included, that um, helped to orient me, but I'm not looking for somebody to tell me what the answer is. Uh, all the answers are right inside me. So again, notice he's not, it's, it's March 1st. He didn't retire and then show up in August and say, here I am. I want to play. You hear that text slinger? He does not want to be like you. Nobody wants to be like you. But least of all, Aaron. 
And to the rest of you who are comparing him to the tech slinger, I hope you heard that answer. Because he's right about that. The Favre saga did drag out all summer, for multiple summers. When he finally did leave Green Bay, he retired in March, then unretired, then was dealt in August. We're not even close to that bullcrap. It's March 1st. Free agency hasn't even officially started yet. But if you're still sick of this dude and you think he's being dramatic and getting in everybody's way and making it all about himself and trying to get the entire world just to look at him because he's this crazy narcissist and he's enjoying all the attention, well, he also had a message for all of you who think that as well. There's a finality to the decision. Mm-hmm. And I don't make it lightly. I don't want to drag anybody around. Look, I'm answering questions about it because I get asked about it. Um, I'm talking about it because it's important to me. If you don't like it and you think it's drama, you think I'm being a diva or whatever, then just tune it out. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Mm-hmm. But this is my life. It's important to me. And I'll make a decision soon enough and then we'll go down that road and be really excited about it. Yeah, brother. So he's saying soon enough, soon enough. Again, it's a big decision. What he's saying is, if it bothers you so much, my decision, which is, I'm sure, very rich to him that his life and his decision is bothering everybody else so much. And yes, it does impact other people. But if you're bothered so much, good job, Alvy. It's his life. But if him trying to figure out his life is bothering all of you so much, and you can't stop stressing out, and obsessing over, quote, his life. Maybe you're the one who needs to turn the lights off for a little while. Maybe you need a reset. Maybe that's a you problem and not an Aaron Rodgers problem. Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. By the way, turn off your station. Turn in other words, turn off your lights. Everybody could benefit from a little inner contemplation and reflection anyway. I tried it. I tried it in this very room last week. It helped a lot. I got clarity. Some clarity. So the bottom line is he says you will have your answer because I will have my answer soon enough. If the question then is, well, when is soon enough? What is soon enough? Here's what I would put it at. 13 days. Within 13 days. Because 13 days from now is when free agency officially does open. If at that point, he still has not made up his mind, he drags it past that date, and then we get a bunch of word salvage, salad and hemming and hawing, then the conversation is a different conversation. But as it stands right now, I've got no problems with this. I've got no problem with the way he's handling it. I've got no problem with the way the Packers have handled this. Everybody needs to do what's best for themselves. And that's exactly what everybody's doing right now. But if we're still having the conversation 14 days from now and free agency is already opened, then it's a different conversation. But I know this. 
the one thing you don't want to do is tell this guy, I have to have an answer right now. If you try to pressure this guy or leverage this guy or squeeze this guy, you know it's not going to go well. You know he's not going to respond to that. No matter who you are, Packer Nation, Jets Nation, Raider Nation. Personally, here's what I would like to see. I would like to see him go all in with that big fat chip on his shoulder and run it back with the pack. Because a motivated Aaron Rodgers with a chip on his shoulder still gives Green Bay their best chance to win. And Green Bay is still Aaron's best chance to lift another Lombardi. Now, if Green Bay's already decided we're sick of it, we're over it, we want to move on, we need to find out what we have with Jordan Love, that's fine too. I wouldn't kill them for that. Again, everybody has to do what's best for them. If that's the decision they make, great. Then maybe we find out whether or not the Jets really are a quarterback away. Then we find out whether or not a 30-year-old or 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers can gel with Robert Sawa's instant coffee world. This new instant coffee world that we're in. In the meantime, let's just wait a little longer. It's not going to kill anybody. It's not wrecking free agency. It's not wrecking franchises. I don't think he's being a narcissistic, look-at-me diva because he enjoys all the attention. I think he's a different dude. And he is searching, and he is looking, and now the lights are on, and we'll see. Just don't tell me that he's going all far with it until he starts slinging unwanted dong shots and dragging it out into the summer. And then you can tell me he's all tech slinger about it. But if he makes a decision in the coming days, that's fine. Oh, yeah. You know I love that sound. That is my favorite sound ever. That is the best kind of sound because that is the best kind of notification because what that sound is is another sale on Shopify. The moment another business dream becomes a reality. I love it. Shopify, the commerce platform, which is revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Here's how this works. Shopify simplifies selling online and in person so you can focus on successfully growing your business. And it covers every sales channel from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform. It even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And what's incredible to me is Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, they're there to empower you with the confidence and control to revolutionize your business and take it to the next level. Now it's your turn to get serious about selling and trying Shopify right now. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period of shopify.com slash Rome, all lowercase R-O-M-E. Go to shopify.com slash R-O-M-E. Take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash R-O-M-E Rome. We are joined by Dana White. Dana, what's going on? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, Dana. Good. So, John Jones is going to make his heavyweight debut, Dana, and he's going to take on a top-ranked contender in Cyril Gaon for the championship, UFC 285. In short, Dana, how fired up are you for this one? He's not taking on a top-ranked contender. He's taking on the number one guy in the world. Uh, he's taking on uh, Cyril Gaon, who, who is, without a doubt, um, one of the best heavyweights on the planet. So it's, it's, a, uh, it's a big jump for him. He's been out for a while. But, I mean, in his interviews, John Jones is talking like, 
he feels like this is going to be an easy fight for him and he's going to rip right through Cyril Gaon. If he does that, I mean, it, there's already, it's hard to debate that this guy's the greatest of all time, but there will be no debate with anybody anywhere ever if he beats Cyril Gaon on Saturday night. Dana White joining us. In fact, yeah, that was the point that I wanted to make. He's not a top contender. He's the top contender. And in fact, he was the interim champ. He was the interim champ. Yeah. So, Dana, any idea how John Jones shows up? For instance, some would tell you that ring rust is a real thing. Others will say it's nothing at all. It doesn't really exist. How do you think it's going to impact Jones? Despite how great he is, it is three years. Do you think it's going to be a factor to him? I'm an absolute believer in it. Ali was off for three years. He never looked the same when he came back after three years. Um, it's real, but I can tell you this. John Jones is an absolute freak of nature. He has been since the day he walked into this company. And uh, I don't know. I, I mean, all the questions will be answered on Saturday night. Dana White joining us. You took my phrase. I was going to say he is a freaking ager. He's an amazing athlete. And then you add to that, he's got the, he's put on the weight. He's transformed his body. Dana, we know he's going to be more powerful. Do you think, though, carrying the additional weight is going to create any concerns about, like, mobility, cardio, and at the age of 35 and after three years off? Normally, I absolutely would, but he actually did it the right way. He took the three years to put the weight on naturally and do it the right way instead of, you know, doing it in, in less than a year and going in there as a blown-up light heavyweight. So, Danny, you and I have talked about this numerous times over the years, but given Jones's rap sheet, given – I mean, he is saying all the right things. I get that. Is there any part of you, Dana, that's holding your breath, hoping he doesn't do or say something really regrettable between now and Saturday and jeopardize another main event? In other words, do you fully trust this guy? I, I absolutely haven't even thought about it until you just said it. Um, everything's been good. Uh, you know, I, I think everybody knows what to expect from Jones. Everybody knows he's, you know, he's the man, he's the best. And, uh, you know, he, he does uh, go off the rails sometimes, I guess I'll say. But, uh, no, I, I, haven't, I haven't worried about it at all all week. Dana White joining us. All right, so what about Gone? He is the top-ranked contender for a reason. In fact, Dana, lots of them, right? This guy's a dangerous dude. He's got a great stand-up game, great striking ability, good speed, good agility. Let me ask you this. If Jones takes this fight to the mat realistically, how much chance does Gone really have? Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, the, the, what this guy has is he, he's a massive heavyweight. Uh, he's got great power. Um, he's got a good ground game. And he moves like a middleweight. I mean, the guy moves like a middleweight. So the, the interesting thing about this fight for John Jones is going into, you know, when we were going to do the Francis Ngannou fight, John Jones was the favorite. As we go into the Cyril Ghosn fight, John Jones is the underdog. So th th this fight uh, means that much more to John Jones to go in as an underdog in the heavyweight division and beat Cyril Ghosn. And, and to answer your question, yes, it's going to be interesting if John Jones takes him down. What's going to happen? Yeah, what about this, Dana? Like, Jones is a smart fighter. Jones is confident as hell. I mean, is it a foregone conclusion that he'll do everything he can to take that fight to the ground? Or do you think that Jones thinks that he can stand with Gone and win the fight that way? I think in what I've heard from Jones talking this week, he believes that he's more of a complete fighter than Cyril Gone is. Uh, John Jones feels like he's the whole package and, uh, you know, They've never seen anything like him in the heavyweight division. So, again, I mean, these are all hypothetical, you know, all the questions will be answered on Saturday night, which is what makes this fight so exciting. When you really break down the fight and you talk to people who, who are really into the sport, 
you, you can't say who's going to win and who's who's not going to win. It's 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 uh it's it's the perfect heavyweight championship fight. It's I was going to say it's a great great matchup. I was going to say to you if you know the promotion and you know the business, could you argue that this is one of the biggest heavyweight fights you've ever had? In fact, one of the biggest fights you've had in years, regardless of weight. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, when you look at, at the skill level and where these guys are, it's probably the biggest and the best heavyweight championship we've ever done. Dana White joining us. Dana, when you talk about gone, like moving and kind of looking and acting like a middleweight, how different is the heavyweight division now than it was even a few years ago? It just seems like there's more and more guys that are like that, right? They're that size, but they move and act and fight like they're smaller, more athletic. 100%. No, the guy is definitely – well, that's the other great thing about this fight. You have two – freak athletes you know not only are they considered both the best in the world but they're, they're two freak athletes it's it just you couldn't have a better fight hey dan who is the best in the world right now sidebar pound for pound right now who is the best fighter in the sport it would have to be john jones i mean realistically it's john john jones has never if you look at all the people that he's fought he's never lost a fight it, it kills me that that one is on his record 26 and one you have to understand, for the people that don't know, this was during a time when the Nevada State Athletic Commission was very weak. And there was a, 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 a referee in there that stopped the fight and called Jones the loser in that fight, um, a fight he was dominating and, and should have been finished. Instead of you know, disqualifying Jones, they should have stopped the fight. And Jones right now really should be 27 and up. He was. He was dominating that fight. That was the first round, too. He was dominating exactly. that fight. That, that fight should have been stopped. It should have been over, and Jones should be 27-0. and 0. I fought hard to try to get that one taken off his record, but, you know, I haven't been able to get it done. It's just it's, it's horrible. It's a referee that I said a million times should not even be in the octagon reffing. But all, what are you going to do? All right, so that fight's coming up Saturday. Before you go, the co-main event has got Valentina Shevchenko defending her flyweight title against Alexa Grasso. Shevchenko is making, Dana, her eighth defense of the 125-pound title. That's an incredible number, eight defenses. She has not lost to anybody other than Amanda Nunes in over a decade. When you look at it that way, has she established herself as among one of the best ever, regardless of gender or weight class, to ever step into the octagon? Yeah, what makes her even more impressive is, for those of you that don't know, um, Amanda Nunes is a weight class above her, and you know, very controversial decision. Some people thought Valentina won the fight. So, yeah, she is without a doubt the baddest woman to ever walk the face of the earth, and uh, she's an incredible athlete. But Alexa Grazo, who she's facing on Saturday night out of Mexico, ha has really tightened up her game over the last couple of years. Her stand-up is incredible. Her ground game's incredible, and this should be a very fun fight, too. All right, so I was going to ask you about that, but you covered that. What else are you looking forward to on this card? Well, there's so many great uh, fights on this card. Rachmanov, Rachmanov, these guys' names are fun to pronounce, but he's 16-0. He's undefeated. Um, Bo Nickel, who came in uh, off the Contender Series, is on the card. And he uh, three-time NCAA Division I wrestling champion, and uh, he's undefeated in MMA, has a 100% finish rate, and he's taking on Jamie Pickett, a guy with – Bo Nickel is 3-0. Jamie Pickett is 13-8. So this kid has way more experience than Bo, and uh, should Bo pull this out on Saturday night, he is a massive prospect in this sport. Uh, 
I was going to say, Dana, Bo Nickel, those who know, know he is really exciting. Really, really exciting. He's got to get through this test. And will you tell me, Dana, how, how stiff a test is that legitimately for him? And if he does get through that, what is his ceiling? Yeah, I mean, if he beats a kid with that much fight experience, you know what I mean? You got, you got a kid that's got like, uh, I don't know, like, like 21 fights. Uh, he's got three. And uh, he, he, he wins and makes it look easy. Who knows what this kid's capable of? You know, we just got to figure out what's next for him. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that yet. He already has an enormous following. UFC President Dana White joining us. UFC 285. Saturday night, John Jones makes his return to the Octagon. First time in three years. He's going to fight for the heavyweight championship of the world. Dana, great to have you on. Have a great weekend. It's going to be a great card. Looking forward to it. Always a pleasure, buddy. Hey, now, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake. Do not eat a bar. Reach for a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty. It's tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying that way. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And clones, if you don't see it, just ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper, what is your beef? Homer Jim. Rogers does have the right to make his own decision. But he is also a narcissistic, self-absorbed diva. Both things can be true and are actually true. Let me stop right there. Okay. That's not offensive. That's fair. Maybe he is. Maybe both things are true. Aaron said as part of that podcast, if you think that I am a diva, fine. Find something else to do. Why waste any time on it? The same person then writes this. This is his ATP, I think. Quote, how is the dysfunction in Green Bay any different than what is happening in Alabama? It's all about winning, trumping people, doing the right thing. War ethics over rewards. Craig in the Blue Water area. Hey, Craig, did you really just ask me how is the dysfunction in Green Bay any different than what is happening in Alabama? I mean, I'm looking at it, dude. This is what it says. You put those to paper. You just compared Aaron. How is it different? Got me, got me, Craig. I'm stumped. How is it different? Well, I mean, there is one slight distinction I would make. Somebody's dead. There is one slight distinction I would make between the, quote, dysfunction in Green Bay and what's, quote, happening in Alabama. Apparently, what happened in Alabama was an Alabama basketball player texted another Alabama basketball player asking for him to bring a gun to a location where there apparently was a confrontation. Star basketball player brings the gun to the location. Teammate gets the gun and hands it over to somebody else, reportedly. That person fires into a car, killing a 23-year-old single mother. Other shots were fired in return. A total of 11 shots, apparently, 
were shot at the scene. We're lucky only one person died, and it's already horrific. How many more could have been killed in a crowded area downtown? And you're asking me what is the difference between the dysfunction, quote-unquote, in Green Bay and what's going on in Alabama? Somebody's dead. There's that difference, genius. Like, dude, you're handling this topic almost as badly as Nate Oates is handling the whole thing. And nobody's ever handled anything as poorly as Oates is handling that situation. Dude, you did not just ask me, how is this different than, quote, the dysfunction? Let's not confuse dysfunction with capital murder, genius. Do not confuse somebody going into a darkness retreat for four days with somebody being shot in cold blood. What is the difference? Holy crap. You, at least you put your name to it, genius. Craig in the Blue Water area. Dude, I don't know that four days in darkness is going to be enough for you, my friend. What is the difference? You see what I mean? Did I or did I not say that there are plenty of people who needed the darkness more than V in the fee? I think that V in the fee can actually make the distinction between murder and somebody needing some more time to figure out what they want to do with their career and their life. That's the difference, Craig. When Aaron Rodgers went into his dark room over that four-year period, nobody was shot as a result. When Aaron went into the dark room, he did not text any teammates and say, bring me my gun. And then take the gun and give it to one of his friends who then used it to kill somebody. That's the difference. Is that helpful? Have we cleared up the distinction? What is the difference? You're comparing the Green Bay situation to murder. That's the difference. Hope that helps. Hey, Rome, what is, that's an actual bit, actual contribution to the program. It started off fine. Rome, Rogers does have the right to make his own decision, but he's also a narcissistic, self-absorbed diva. Both things can be true and are actually true. If you just signed it right there, Craig in the Blue Water area, that'd have been fine. How is the dysfunction in Green Bay any different than what's happening in Alabama? Nobody died. That's the difference. Nobody was shot and killed in cold blood. That was the difference. Nobody was charged with capital murder. That's the difference. Hey, Rome, what's the difference between Aaron Rodgers and what he's doing and what OJ did? Same thing. Signed idiot clones. I mean, we're starting down that path, right? If you're asking me what's the difference. I mean, people really think like this. They do. You just compared Aaron Rodgers and his situation to murder. (laughs) Murder. Like, I mean, I don't even know what to say. Like, I, I thought I'd seen and heard everything. This guy writes, that's it, Jim. I've listened to you for 30 years, and now you've gone too far. Yours, 100 million Bon Jovi fans can't be wrong. Ian and the Natty. That's reasonable. You, you might be right. 
Hey, Rome, as for Aaron Rodgers, it's his decision if he wants to play football or retire. The good thing is he went out in a blaze of glory, signed John BJV. Aaron, just stop it. Aaron, I know you've got every song and John BJV's catalog right in front of you. Just stop. I'd almost rather hear from Craig in Blue Water. Somebody literally just compared murder to the Packers situation. And then he warded ethics over rewards. Whatever the hell that means. They pay me to look at this stuff. Isn't that amazing? Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. So there's been a whole lot of buzz regarding the Bengals maybe moving wide receiver T. Higgins to any number of teams thirsting for a legitimate stud at wide receiver. And ask me, that's exactly what that guy is. He is a stud. Love T. Higgins. And there are teams that are seeing what this guy can bring to it, and they want him. No teams mentioned by name. The New York Giants. You know, and the thinking is, obviously, the Bengals will bangle. The Bengals will do what they've always done. The Bengals can't pay everybody. The Bengals have to take care of Joe Burrow. And we know they're notoriously cheap, right, based on their history. And not only do they have to take care of Joe, they have to take care of Jamar. And they've got other needs that have to be addressed. And because they're not a team known for spending a lot of money, And now they've got a really, really good team. And we know having a really good team can be really expensive. We know they're going to have to make some tough choices. Tough choices are going to be made. And therefore, as the narrative goes, as the thinking goes, T. Higgins is going to be the odd man out. That was the narrative. And apparently it's all bullcrap. Because T. Higgins is not available. You cannot have him. Not my take, but rather Duke Tobin's take. He is the director of player personnel for Cincinnati, and he just told everybody, Higgins is our guy. Get your own damn receiver. He said that, like, literally. I'm in the business of making the Cincinnati Bengals better, and so trading T. Higgins is not on my mind. That's their problem. They want a receiver. Go find your own. You know, in in my my opinion, you know, T. Higgins is a good piece for the Cincinnati Bengals, so the trade stuff is a little ridiculous right now. I mean, he could have gone even harder, but I like that. He could have come with even more energy. Like, I'm in the business of making this Cincinnati Bengals better. How is giving up one of my best players going to make us better? Trading T. Higgins is not on my mind. That's your problem. You need a receiver? Good. Go find your own. We have ours. In fact, we have three great receivers. If you want a receiver, go find your own. It is not my job to make other teams better. You know, maybe, maybe back in the day, the Bengals might have been seen that way. Not anymore. 
and this dude nailed it. He's spot on. Why the hell would you trade one of your best players when you have a roster that is fully capable of winning a championship right now? A roster that was capable of winning a championship last season. A roster that was capable of winning a championship the year before that. I mean, newsflash, and I know you can't believe this, but they're one of the best teams in the NFL, and they have been for the last few years. We're talking about a team that was in the Super Bowl. A team that was in the Super Bowl two years ago. A team that was 90 seconds away from going back to the big game last year. What I'm saying is they are not who you thought they were. They're not your dad's Bengals. The minute Joe Burrow walked through the door in 2020 and proved that he was the guy from day one was the minute the Bengals changed how they operate their entire franchise. They went out. And they actually threw down in free agency the last couple of years. They went out and they spent money. They built an indoor practice facility. They took input from Burrow in drafting his college teammate. Zach Taylor's done an excellent job. In fact, he's still underrated, if you ask me. He's helped build an organization, an organization of consistency, a sturdy foundation, something they have not had in years, years. So if you think that all of a sudden Tobin and the front office are just going to trade one of their stars, who, by the way, is under contract for another year, and that doesn't even count the possibility of them using the tag if they want to after that. Look, I'm no capologist, nor am I here to tell Mike Brown how to part with his money, something he generally never does. But it's been a hell of a long time since the Bengals have mattered this much, if they ever mattered this much. And the reason that folks think that T. Higgins is available is because they're assuming that the Bengals are still operating in a manner that they've always operated in. They're assuming, quote, the Bengal way. They're assuming that Mike Brown is still too cheap. They're assuming nothing has changed when in reality, everything has changed. Like I said, the second Joe Cool walked through that door, yes, Higgins is a stud. No, He's not available. I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. Lob Duke Tobin a phone call about Higgins. Just know that if you do, he's going to tell you Higgins is not available and to get your own damn receiver. They want a receiver. Go find your own, you know. Because we have the best trio in the game. And we have one of the best two or three quarterbacks in the game getting them the ball. And we have a look at winning it all again next season. Why the hell would we want to jack with that? The answer is, of course, you wouldn't. So, if you need a receiver, go get your own receiver. Because our championship window is wide ass open in 23. Like it was last year. Like it was the year before. Like apparently it's going to be Joe Burrow's entire career. He said as much. Go all in. Take that next step. Finish in 23. The Giants. Man, of course the Giants want this guy. Of course the Giants want this guy. They dropped a boatload of cash on Kenny Galladay. And what do they get in return? One touchdown. Not very good ROI for your WR1. Hell, 
They had March 15th circled on their office calendar since September so they can move on from this buster. Buster. Slang for somebody who's a bust. Or somebody who busts things. One who busts. Buster's a great word. Yo, buster. How's that grab you, buster? Buster, defined as one who busts. You know, like draft bust, slump buster, buster Douglas, one who busts. Only a moron would let T walk out that door. And clones, I already know you, and I know what you're going to think and thumb and write and say before you think and thumb and write and say. So let me get out in front of it. We are talking about Duke Tobin not Tobin in Chapel Hill. And in contrast, but not in, uh, in quality, but not in quantity, or I should say, uh, in contrast, excuse me, Charles. <laughs> that was an old school buzzer. That was the old school buzzer. So don't hit me with any of that. And before you fire me off any tweets, it's Tobin. Duke Tobin. Not Zoom masturbator Jeffrey Tubin. Got it? Duke Tobin. Certainly, Duke Tobin is Duke Tobin, and he's not getting rid of T. Higgins ever. Certainly, Duke is Duke. They're on TV more than Leave it to Beaver reruns. Certainly, Duke Tobin is Duke Tobin, and he's not getting rid of T ever. Certainly, Duke is Duke. They're on TV more than Leave it to Beaver reruns. You cannot have a wide receiver ever. Certainly, Duke is Duke. They're on TV more than Leave it to Beaver reruns. Go get your own wide receiver. You can never have ours ever. Certainly, Duke is Duke. And by They're ever, I mean never. reruns. Certainly Duke is Certainly Duke. Certainly Duke Tobin is Duke They're Tobin. And we're going to the Beaver Super Bowl forever. Duke is Duke. They're on All right, so Duke. Thank you, Alvin. No, I meant thank you for helping me make my point. Tobin in Chapel Hill is not to be confused with Duke Tobin. In contrast. But Just as in what's happening in Green Bay is not to be confused contrast. with what's happening in Alabama. Duke Tobin, Tobin in Chapel Hill, Jeffrey Tobin. These are all different things. Don't confuse them. Craig, you're a beauty. Certainly, Duke Tobin is Duke Tobin. He's not getting rid of T. Higgins ever. The Bengals are on TV more than Leave It to Beaver reruns. This isn't your dad's Bengals ever. Got it? You know how I know that I'm right? John Rothstein jumped in and he got in, like, he got in ahead of it. <laughs> 
because John Rothstein's ahead of everything. He's a maniac. He hit me with, he tweeted this, certainly Duke is Duke. They're on TV more than Leave It to Beaver reruns. Sign Pete Gillen, circa 1997, CC at Jim Rome. It's like my man knew the take before the take. That's John. John can see the future. Hey, John. John Rothstein can see the future. That, that was so great. Pete, Pete Gillen, when he dropped that, that was like the epitome of straight fire. That was so good when he went with that. Certainly Duke is Duke. They're on TV more than Leave it to Beaver. Reruns. Such an amazing line. How good a line is it? In 2023, it still works. We still use it. So, Duke, Tobin, not Tobin in Chapel Hill. In contrast. Nor Zoom masturbator Jeffrey Tubin. Or the band The Tubes. And finally, as I go to break, Ted in Albany wants in. Craig's take on the difference between Aaron Rodgers and a homicide makes me want to scream. I love how Ash has made a comeback on the program. Everything comes around. Everything that falls out of favor will once again be in vogue at some point. Look at Ashley Simpson. She's come around all these years later. Hey, Jim, whatever ends up going down in the end, I just hope that Aaron Rodgers does not feel like the Packers don't want him because Rodgers is wanted, dead or alive, John BJV. All right, we're done with the John BJV. Now I'm done. They're not funny. Chris in Milwaukee. Jimmy, if I'm a GM and another team asks me to trade, T. Higgins, I've got one thing to say to them. Have a nice day. Signed, JBJ. I just said. We have an official moratorium on JBJ references. I'm not doing any more of those. The take is not about JBJ. It's about the Bengals and how they've changed. And how their director of player personnel is saying, hey man, keep your grubby hands off our wide receiver. Duke Tobin should just bust it out straight up with, if you think, if you think you're going to rip T. Higgins from us, let me tell you something, loser. You're living on a prayer. The take is not on John Bon Jovi. It's about the Bengals and how they're not what they used to be and that everything has changed and that people are trying to raid their roster and these players are not available. Get your own damn receiver. You're living on a prayer. We got this talent. We brought it in. We developed it. Go someplace else and get your own damn receiver. I love the Bengals. If only Duke had said that with a little more energy, because I love what he said. I just wish he'd said it with a little more fire. You know what he should have said? 
He should have said, you're asking me to trade T. Higgins. Really? You know what? Letting go of T. Higgins, look at me, read my lips. Letting go of T. Higgins is bad medicine. Bad medicine. Get your own damn receiver. Still ahead. Still ahead. None of that. Daniel Jeremiah joining us. Legendary San Diego Padres super honk. <laughs> My man, I got to ask you first and foremost, how hyped are you that your beloved pods locked up Manny Machado as they look to build on last year's sensational run? The Jim, do you know how many bad baseball teams I went and watched over the last like 20 years? Like it's kind of, I, I, this can't be reality, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous the number of studs and they're all locked up for like a decade. So um, I, I'm, you know, I was, everybody keeps saying, Oh, they, they paid Manny. I guess Soto's gone. I'm like, dude, this guy doesn't have a stop sign. I, I, I don't know that he's going to stop there. We'll see what happens with Soto. Hey, never mind Soto. I'm going to assume that Soto is going to get done. And then I'm going to wait for Shohei. <laughs> I, I don't know yeah, where it's all coming from, but that's not my business. I don't tell other people. I don't want people telling me how to spend my money, DJ. So I'm not going to tell them how to spend theirs. It is amazing. I just know you are a super Padre fan. Oh, so you got to yeah, be pumped yeah, up. Here's here, here's my here's how I'm conflicted though with everything that's happened. This sure. is where I'm conflicted because I go to my, I go to games. I feel like now I, I feel a responsibility to go buy more food because I feel like that's going to help pay for all these contracts. <laughs> right. But with the pitch clock, bro, I, I get a hot dog. I might miss three innings. Great point. Very well done. Daniel Jeremiah joining us. That is such a good point. So, DJ, really quickly about the combine. You know, a lot of the conversation there is about a guy who's not there, Aaron Rodgers. Like, it's anybody's mm-hmm. guess, right? We know he keeps his circle of trust really, really tight. But if you had to guess, what do you think is in his head and heart right now? What do you think he wants to do? Um, I would think a new chapter, you know. I, I think if you – and again, speaking as somebody who's never heard of, or nor doesn't do I know anybody that's ever been in a darkness retreat, but I'm guessing if you go that route, you're probably uh, looking for some changes in life. And, uh, you know, it just feels to me like Jordan Love, it works for the Packers to see what they have there. I know they're really excited about him um, and the improvements he made last year and talking to people in that building. And then, you know, with, with Aaron where he is, it just feels like to me it just makes sense for both parties to kind of move on. So if he moves on, I mean, he moves on to another team, or could you see him retiring? Do you think that's on the table to him, retirement? Yeah, I mean, if you're going to ask me to rank the most uh, likely outcomes, just, you know, my personal opinion, I would say another team, number one, retirement, number two, Packers, number three. And the other team, can we assume that it's the Jets? Is there any other situation that you think would interest him? Well, I mean, I think, you know, we'll see what happens with the Raiders, but that would be, uh, you know, the Jets would be the obvious one. The Raiders is a you know is a team that's got a lot of veterans and, and is ready to win right now. Would uh, would be the other one, obviously, with this connection with Devontae Adams doesn't hurt. So, you know, I, I don't know what all's being said. I haven't seen all the podiums down here where you got GMs and head coaches talking and who's said they're in or they're out. Probably haven't said much of anything, but that would be uh, that would be the order there. I would think would be Jets and Raiders. Daniel Jeremiah joining us. All right, Daniel, what about the Bears? If you're GM Ryan Poles, what do you do with that first pick? I'm getting out of there. You know, this is a team that has a lot of needs. I feel like everybody forgot the uh, the dialogue that was taking place during the year, which was, oh, my gosh, you know, Justin Fields, get this guy some help. 
you've got no offensive line, you've got no weapons, um, you know, we've got to give him a chance. And then, then it shifted to, oh, well, if you're going to trade, you can't trade back further than two or four because you'll miss out on the top defensive players. And I'm like, no, trade back further, get some offensive linemen, get some receivers. We'll fix the defense another day. But let's give this kid a chance so you can evaluate him. I was going to say, how do you evaluate him? Is it too soon because he doesn't have enough help? Or have you seen enough to know that you know what his upside is? How would you evaluate him right now? Well, I would say the things that are irrefutable, obviously we know the athleticism and the ability as a runner, and that just jumps off the screen. I would add to that just the competitiveness, Jim, you know, with, with, is something that you can really build off of. Usually when guys are competitive like that and how they run and how they compete that way, they're competitive in their preparation. They're competitive in their desire to get better in, in the weaknesses of their game. So I, I think those are all positive things. I, I do think, you know, he needs to, uh, you know, he needs to be more comfortable in the pocket, right? It's easy to say that until the guy's got blasted a million times. Like, let's, let's give him a chance. Let's put some pieces in front of him, and then let's get him some speed and some weapons to play with, and then we can have the fair evaluation because I feel like there's a lot of stuff um, that we just simply don't know. It's impossible. The NFL Network is going to provide live coverage of the 2023 NFL Scouting Combine, the 2nd through the 5th of March. Daniel Jeremiah joining us for a few more moments. DJ, what about Bryce Young? Of course, it's always something, right? It's always something. And, <laughs> and this year, the hand-wringing is about his height. Bama lists him at 6 feet. There's speculation that he might actually measure out to be 5'10 half. How concerned are you about his physical stature? Well, I would start off by saying I'm always thankful when the issue is height um, versus having to do hand size or arm length. So this is a, it's an easier discussion to have on sure. height. Um, I think it makes more sense. I mean, the height doesn't bother me, Jim. It's the frame. It's the durability. You know, can he, can he withstand the punishment of a 17-game NFL season? That's the, you know, that, that is a legitimate concern. It was about five weeks during the season where he couldn't practice because his shoulder was dinged. Um, but he posted every Saturday and played at a really, really high level. So um, I, I just feel like all these quarterbacks have some risk involved, and you have to be willing to bet on something. I'm just gonna—I'm more comfortable betting on his durability than betting on some of the other guys becoming more accurate or developing a better pocket sense or not turning the ball over. I think that's a great point, DJ. Joining us, DJ. What about Jalen Carter? Where do you have him? on your draft board, and has that changed based on the news today that police have secured arrest and warrants for his alleged involvement in that fatal crash involving a teammate and another? Yeah, first of all, Jim, I mean, what an awful, just an awful story, a tragedy, you know. It, it just, it, when you have kids and you see that and you see that this was totally preventable um, and the loss of life, I mean, golly, that's just, it's awful. But, you know, as, as a football player, He's the best player in the draft, in my opinion. Um, he's number one on my list. Teams are going to have a long time between now and the draft to try and, you know, get more information here, have a chance to visit with him, um, and we'll see, you know, what transpires between now and the draft. But yeah, I mean, that's uh, it's going to have, a, in my opinion, it's a, it's a major impact on his on his draft status. You know, so you got to get you got to get with him, and you've got to gather as much information as you can. The, uh, I guess the you know, one thing that will benefit the teams is that the draft's not tomorrow. You know, you've got some time here to try and uh, get as much information as you possibly can. Daniel Jeremiah joining us. DJ, what about, you, you mentioned the quarterbacks. Every year there's a polarizing prospect. This year it seems to be Anthony Richardson. You know, pretty inconsistent last year in his only season as a starter for the Gators, but there's so much to like about him, right? His athletic ability, his arm strength. What is your assessment of him? Where do you have him going? 
Well, I think he's, you know, I think he's got a good chance of going a lot higher than people think. Uh, I have him as the fourth quarterback because it is raw. I mean, the evaluation, the real scientific evaluation, Jim, is like he it literally is a wow what player where it's one play, it's just oh wow, and the next play you do what 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 was that? <laughs> like that's literally what you're doing throughout the time while you're watching him. It's a roller coaster ride. Um, but if you look at all these quarterbacks as lottery tickets, you know if they all cost the same in terms of they're all going to cost a first round pick. His payout, his potential payout is the highest. I mean, he's got the biggest upside of any of them. You don't see quarterbacks in the SEC racking up 60 and 80 yard runs. You, you don't see that there. There's too much speed on that field. That tells you, you know, what you're t- you're dealing with there. Just as as a pure athlete, you know, arm strength wise, he can be all jacked up, have his feet, you know, off balance. He doesn't get anything into the throw, and all of a sudden you see a, you know, 45 yard just laser that comes out of there. So he's he's got tons of ability. You're just going to have to be really patient. I, I think he should sit for a year. I know other people say he hasn't played much and needs to play. Uh, I, I'd like to get him on the practice field and work through some of those kinks in the in the footwork and then let him get comfortable within the offense before you put him out there. So, DJ, before I let you go, one non-draft-related thing to follow up on, because you are the Chargers radio analyst, what was your reaction to Kellen Moore being hired as the new offensive coordinator, and then how do you think that's going to impact Justin Herbert? I love it. You know, I, I, when Kellen Moore, when I scouted him at Boise, there's been only a couple players. It's actually ironic that they both are changing jobs this year. But I remember doing D'Amico Ryans, and I remember doing Kellen Moore. And wow. I remember thinking D'Amico Ryans is going to be a great coach. Kellen Moore is going to be a great coach. And just the background on them was off the charts in terms of their football intelligence and their, and their leadership. So Kellen Moore, you know, people can you know, love to kind of get after the Cowboys. It's, they're, they're fun to pick at. But when you look at where his offenses have ranked since he's been there, it's pretty darn good. Um, and I think, you know, the Boise State quarterback with the Oregon quarterback, they're kind of from the same part of the country. I think those guys are going to hit it off. Once again, NFL Network is going to provide live coverage of the 2023 NFL Scouting Combine, March 2nd through the 5th. He is a draft analyst there. He is a radio analyst for the Chargers, co-host of the Move the Six podcast, good friend of the program, Daniel Jeremiah. DJ, thank you so much. Great to have you back on. You're the best, Jim. Take care, man. Good night now!